Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 1st of September, 2020. Exchange rate. It's not a phrase most of us often think about unless we have a job or spend time in the foreign exchange market. The only time we would think about exchange rates are probably when we travel abroad. Have you ever traveled abroad to a country where the U.S. dollar was worth more than the local currency? Perhaps you were able to purchase something on your trip that would have cost a lot more money back home. Well, today we're going to be reminded in 1 Timothy that it's easy to get caught up in the money of this world, in the value of this world. Paul makes the case that false teachers are often doing what they do for financial gain, kind of exchanging this world for the next. But then he reminds Timothy that there's something much more valuable than the riches of this life. We'll get there, but let's start off at the beginning of our passage and work our way through it. Our passage starts off in 1 Timothy 6, saying, Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Now, I know none of you listening are Christian slaves, but this is written in a similar vein to previous letters that Paul has written. So we know the idea is to be so loving, so respectful that it provides a picture of Christ's love to those who are above us. So perhaps you have a boss or someone who's in authority. Well, the same principle applies here. We want to be so loving and respectful to that authority that we win them to Christ through that behavior. Now, the main portion of our passage comes back to this idea of false teachers and fighting the good fight of faith against them. If you remember back to the beginning of 1 Timothy, Paul starts by warning him about false teachers. Paul says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. So what are the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Us sitting here today, that's scripture. The sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ is scripture. So how do we know if someone is teaching something that does not agree with it? Well, by knowing it. That's why it's so important to read and to study your Bible so that you can detect the counterfeit when it pops up. Now in verse 5, Paul continues to say, Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. This is a verse that stands out in contrast to our present day Uh, prosperity gospel. False teachers will get up and say that if you don't have health and wealth, then you have a lack of faith. This verse obviously exposes and condemns those false teachers. Paul goes on to say that there's a strong connection between these false teachers and our desire to be rich. Why do prosperity gospel teachers have so much success? One, well, many people don't read the Bible for themselves to see such condemning passages, okay? And two, money and the desire to be rich is tempting. The love of money, as Paul says, is the root of all kinds of evil. But Paul says to Timothy, flee these things and instead fill your time by pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Timothy, being a true minister of the gospel, is to keep his focus on eternity. And so perhaps we should take some time to think about what about the motives that we need to flee in the ministry. Maybe we have some, some things that are kind of coming from the wrong motives. Do we serve in our ministry posts for status? Do we serve to find friends? Maybe for access to leadership to gain influence? Or are we purely focused on fighting the good fight of faith for the glory of God? 
As an extension of what Paul's saying about keeping our focus on eternity, he shifts his attention to those who are wealthy in the church. Starting in verse 17, it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. God does choose to give some believers more than others, but he does so with a warning. He says, don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Hold them loosely and don't let the value of your life be connected in any way but rather to God himself. So uh, he is the one who actually has provided these riches. What an irony to exchange uh, you know, our, our love of money for our love of God when God gave us the money. And, and so we want to be ready to share. He says, be generous and ready to share so that you can actually exchange your earthly riches for treasures in heaven. When you use your earthly riches for God's work, And for his people in this life, it's like exchanging your money with the greatest exchange rate imaginable. You know, we think it's amazing to go to a country where a U.S. dollar is worth much more than it is here. But God says that the U.S. dollar is worth unimaginably more in his kingdom. So we need to invest it there. Now, moving forward to Luke, our passage in the the Gospels today, Luke 16, 14 through 18. Here we see the Pharisees being called out for their love of money. Right before this, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money in verse 13. And, And he goes on to say, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The Pharisees made many of their decisions based on status, which is often closely associated with the love of money. They like to disguise their sin by hiding behind money and status, and obviously Jesus is ruffling those feathers a little bit here. The scariest part of this passage to me is this. What is celebrated and admired by people in our lives might be an actual abomination to the Lord. So maybe a good way to think about this in relation to our time is that God examines our hearts, not our Instagram, not our statuses, uh, not the different places in our culture where we gain value from people something to think about today. Our passage then quickly touches on the topic of divorce saying, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Now it's important to remember that Jesus is still talking to the Pharisees here who would allow men to divorce their wives for very trivial grounds. And in the previous verse, Jesus makes clear that the law is and never will be void. Will be void. It's important to note that there were men divorcing their wives because they didn't make dinner correctly or because the husband found a woman that he thought was prettier. All of this was basically making a mockery of the law. Jesus is kind of saying here, you think that marriage is something you can just disregard carelessly, but this is how serious God takes it. And we're told in Mark 10, 5, that divorce was not the aim of the law, but a provision for man's hardness of heart. So clearly marriage was meant to be a lifelong union as a result of two becoming one. Jesus then makes it clear that a man who divorces his wife and remarries commits adultery, just like the man who marries a divorcee. The bottom line that I think we should focus on today is this. Two things. Marriage is a lifelong covenant and God takes divorce seriously. 
Now, if you find yourself in a difficult situation right now regarding divorce, divorce, I'm so very sorry. And I certainly don't want to oversimplify your specific situation, but we can rejoice that God is gracious and forgiving and that, and we can rejoice that God is very clear about his intentions for marriage. Let's take marriage and divorce as seriously as Jesus does and not grow hardened like the Pharisees who sought ways around the law to gain status and please man. Let's you and I see our marriages as a covenant that models Christ and the church used to glorify God. Now, moving to uh, Proverbs here, 4 through 7, our Old Testament passage. Uh, I picture as I read this, a father sitting down to have a serious and private conversation with his son, pleading with him to get it, to really listen and implement what he's saying, uh, to save him from pain and possibly even death. In our chapters today, much of the focus is a warning against adultery and sexual sin. In Proverbs chapter 4, uh, is starting in verse 3, it says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Uh, so often we see major sins start as a small wrongful desire that works up to incredibly painful sin, which is the case with adultery or sexual sin. And oftentimes it's very, uh, it's alluring. And so we see in verses 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, we continue, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Although it starts with this small, uh, you you know, um, thought or visual, and, and it looks nice. He's immediately coming in here and saying, son, do not go near the door of her house. And it says, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. And so there's this idea that, yes, a lot of times these major sin problems in our life, they start with a desire. They start with this thing that appears to be small and it's called temptation. And when we give into it, we, at the end of it, we say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. May we never get to the end of that. And may we notice this at the beginning when we see this temptation in our lives. And so we want to take heart what's being said in this proverb. It goes on in chapter six, says, do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Eyelashes, For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So often, due to pride, Christians think that they will somehow be the one to beat the system or not be affected in the same way as others. Just like if you're an older man or a woman or you just have more experience, lived a longer life, and you look at an 18-year-old and there's so many things you want to tell them and you want them to understand and believe because you want to save them from that pain. So is the author of these Proverbs saying, hey, listen, it might look like it's harmless at the beginning, but this is a very big deal. And we want to praise God for the word of God and the Holy Spirit. We're given two incredible warning systems to stay away from the lure of sin. You know, we read our Bible often. I would recommend reading the Proverbs often and really being reminded about wisdom and what it looks like 
being uh, made applicable in our lives. And then we have the Holy Spirit, you know, when our conscience and those red alerts goes, go off where we know there's a problem, we need to step back and slow down. I was just meeting with someone the other day and saying, hey, we need to slow down and keep it simple. We need to slow down and not make emotional decisions. And we need to go back to the word of God and keep it simple. And we need to be honest about what tempts us and be serious about the solution. We need to be honest about what's tempting in our lives and have conversations with great brothers and sisters in Christ and confess what tempts us. And then we need to be serious about the situation. So let's move to Psalm 104, 19 through 28. We want to read our Psalms portion of revival from the Bible this morning, or at least talk about it now. You know, the first few verses in our reading in the Psalms today remind us that God has ordered everything. It says, he has made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to work and to his labor until the evening. You know, it might not something might not be something that we think about often, but what a comfort it is to know that we don't need to figure out when to go to bed and when to wake up. Uh, it's it's really not something I've even thought about a lot, but reading this afresh th- th- this morning, I was thinking, wow, this is incredible to think about the fact that God has even ordered my days and my nights. If we were in control of our own rhythms, what would that look like? It would be chaotic and confusing. And this isn't a hard and fast rule, but when do a lot of bad things happen? Well, I think they happen a lot of times when it's dark. When we go against the natural rhythms that God created us, we stay up late doing things we shouldn't do and don't have the energy to worship him throughout our work the next day. Uh, A lot of times when we go against God's created order, we find ourselves being tempted to sin. Now, I've talked to a lot of folks about their struggle to get up in the morning to have a quiet time with the Lord. And here's a question to think about as we part ways today. What would it look like if you and I settled into a rhythm that more closely resembled God's created order? Perhaps we would actually go to bed when the day was over and when we're tired, instead of staying up and trading the effectiveness of the next day for something cheap and fleeting like television. Maybe we would have an easier time getting up, getting into God's word, and putting in a solid day of work that honors and glorifies the Lord. Let's praise God for being a God of order. A God who has provided built-in bumpers for, for those of us who are prone to wander. Let's praise him that each day ends with rest and a chance to start over the next. Let's praise him that each morning the sun comes up, giving us another day to glorify the Lord in everything we do. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.